Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey, welcome back to the Tomahawk Take podcast. I am Jake Mastriani, and joining me as always is Alan. Hello there. And Fred. Good evening. Guys, it's a, another week and another roller coaster of emotions from the Atlanta Braves. They win four or five coming into this week, including a series win over the Dodgers, getting them to a 500 record for, I believe, the fourth time this year. Uh, and it looked like maybe for the first time they were going to get over 500, but then they blow a lead against the Phillies in the ninth on Wednesday. Uh, and as has been the case with the Braves, this Braves team this year, they don't just rip your heart out, they stomp on it as well. On Thursday, they they tie they tie it up in the ninth inning uh, with a home run from Freddie Freeman, which good to see him getting going. He had two hits on uh, Thursday, so certainly great for him. Uh, but then they they take a two run lead in the tenth, and then they blow that and lose four to three. So uh, they just can't get over that hump. It seems like you know every week I'm saying I'm done with this team, and then they pull me back in, and then they push me away, uh, kind of like that girl you're chasing after in high school, Alan. I, I don't know. I don't know how to read this team right now, but we're 60 games into the season, uh, and it's kind of the same old story for this team. Every week we talk about, you know, the fact they can go on a run at any time, uh, but it really needs to, to happen soon for before Braves fans break Twitter, Alan. You know how long it's been since I was in high school? Yeah. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. <laughs> okay. Um, in fact, I just graduated my youngest from other, from there, so that's how old I am. Um you know, if we had come into this week getting swept by the Dodgers, which we probably kind of expected if we want to be honest about it, and then came back and swept the Phillies, then the Braves would be at exactly the same statistical standings position they are right now, but we'd feel a lot better about it. Uh, so I want to try and caution everybody uh, standing on the ledge ready to jump off again uh, and and say, it's not all done yet. At the same time, I also want to say, it, there's two games that we just had that they should have won and could have won, and these are the kind of games that they ought to win. Uh, one out away from a win on Wednesday in the ninth inning, and and hang it and bang it, and there, there the Phillies are walking off. So, yeah, it it is frustrating. There's no doubt about that. Um I saw it just all some stats. You know, we're we're now at the sixty game point here again. Uh the same number of games we had as of last year. And this team is obviously a not not nearly the same kind of a performing uh group that they were last year. The the bullpen has lost a bunch of games more this year than they did all last year. And that is right now the exact cause and just about complete story of why they're in the the 29 and 31 uh shape that they're in right now. So the something's got to change. Um uh, yes, 
Shane Green has been added. No, he hasn't quite gotten his kinks worked out yet. Uh, he had a bad game when his, on his first appearance. Then Chris Martin comes in, has a bad appearance. Uh, Will Smith had a, had that hanging ball yesterday that uh, gave up the game. These things are going to happen, but really they can't happen anymore. They, they've, they've got to tighten this stuff up somehow, some way. And mm. the bullpen's got to get these guys out. And if, if that doesn't happen, then we're, we're kind of doomed really. Cause that the starting pitching has been coming together and doing some great things. And we'll probably talk about that later, but, uh, Right now, it is pretty much the bullpen and and only the bullpen that uh, is causing our issues. Yeah, Fred, like Alan said, is it just the bullpen or is there more to this team? Because, I mean, like you said, we're 60 games into it. And like we were kind of talking about before, I mean, is this just a 500 team or, you know, what are what are we, you know, what exactly, you know, is going on with this team going forward? Can they turn it around? Can it just simply be the bullpen? At some point, you got to look in the mirror and say, this is a 500 team. This they they play. You are what your record says you are, and this team is a 500 team. You know, we have players who came out and did really good things for us. Adrianza came out and looked like he was going to be the same guy. Uh, he was going to be the guy who popped up there and did it, and and he he's gone stone cold. Uh, Heredia came out and he was a superstar in center field and. Already has gone stone cold. And the reason these guys, and Almonte's doing what he did at Gwinnett. He's, he's getting on base a lot. He want, he hit that homer, uh, bless his little heart. And he, he, he's, he's handled the pitchers really well. But again. And he's an exception to the rule for that matter. Yeah. Uh, and, but his, but his, he'll cut, he'll, the glow will go off of him as well because these are guys are, are bit players. They're not supposed to play every day. They're supposed to jump in there when Joe Bagadonis gets hurt and hold the fort and have that hot little run. And then when Joe Bagadonis gets well again, they go back and sit on the bench and everybody forgets who they are until they see him again. And that's how utility players stay functional, unless you're Ben Zobrist or somebody like that. But most utility players, they play and then they get out of the way and people forget them because they concentrate on the big guns. We play Heredia. Almonte, Enciarte, Adrianza in the outfield, two of those four every day. That can't continue. The lineup, Freddie's not hitting fastballs. We talked about how ball he is. His batting average on fastballs last time I looked was 202, and he gets the fastball 58% of the time. That's why Freddie's average is where it is. That's why his BAP is where it is. And he swings and misses them a lot more this year than he has in the past. So you got you, you anybody in the lineup to pick him up. Freddie will be there. Freddie will be who Freddie is. He'll be fine. But until he does that, somebody's got to step up. And right and Riley, bless his heart, made me a liar. Thank you, son. I'm so proud. Of, so proud of you for doing that. Um, he found his stroke. Chipper got him hit the other way. That is a high point for me to see Austin. That because he he knows what he's doing, he knows why he's doing it. But the rest of the lineup needs a backbone, and right now it doesn't have it. It doesn't have it in left field. It doesn't have a bat, and it needs, as you said, it needs another guy in the bullpen 
who can go out there and when Chris Martin's worked two days in a row and should never work three, and Will Smith's worked two days in a row and should never work three, your fallback option isn't Luke. Luke did wonderfully today, and Luke's been better this year and people give him credit for, but he shouldn't be your fallback closer option. And you've, you've used AJ multiple days in a row, using those guys multiple days in a row because took a beating for not doing it, but you got to give him somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in, in everything kind of averaging itself out. That's why you play 162. Uh, the bullpen, the way I look at it, try it optimistically, is they've been about as bad as they can be in this one first third of the season. So you got to figure the next uh, two-thirds are going to be pristine and they're going to bounce back. So that's how I'm trying to, to – hey, hey, don't laugh there. That's, that's how the game works. Um, but – yeah, I mean, for sure, they gotta get, gotta get somebody in the back end of the bullpen. You can't take a flyer on an Anthony Swarzak type at this point. That's not gonna get it done. Um, it's gotta be, gotta be somebody who can pitch in the back end of the bullpen. I think we're all pretty, pretty clear on that. And, and you need a, a big bat, uh, to replace Ozuna in the lineup. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's clear as, clear as day to everybody, including Alex Antopoulos, but it may be a little while before. You know, we actually see some movement on the trade market there. And he's going to have some competition to get those guys, too, for that matter. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a, the, the problem is that the Mets are going to get better when people get healthy. And they could go off and win six of those games that they've got in hand. And all of a sudden, it's not three games back anymore. And then the Braves will have to decide, do we want to make this push to be second place? Or do we have the wherewithal to be able to actually get to first place? Because right now the NL East is only going to have one playoff team if if uh, things finish like they are now. That's right, and and it's very you're you're absolutely online. There's going to be a point if he waits too long to do this, and the Mets let's say the Mets go on a fourteen five run over, the, and they could do that because look at their pitching. Okay, so if they hit, they go on a four. Guess what? We're sellers. Yep. Well, we were going to try to keep it positive on this podcast today. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I led us into a dark hole there, so I, I apologize for it's that. It's a but, trap. Yep, it is. Um, but, but let's let's look at the positives here for a minute, because I think there definitely are some, particularly when you look at the starting pitching for the Braves, particularly the young guys. I mean, what Tucker Davidson has done in three starts has been – uh, really amazing. I wrote an article on him on Thursday, I believe, uh, talking about how, you know, he's kind of been forgotten amongst all the pitching prospects, um, but certainly is somebody to, to keep an eye on. And then a- Ian Anderson, I mean, was right there, you know, matched Zach Wheeler on Thursday in a game where the Braves needed a starter to give them length, like uh, Fred was talking about with all our uh, quote-unquote best relievers pitching uh, multiple days in a row. Uh, trying to save them, and he was able to go seven innings. Unfortunately, the offense just wasn't able to uh, give them the give him the run support that he needed. Obviously, going up against a really good pitcher in Zach Wheeler. But Alan, how impressed have you been with those two young guys so far in Davidson and Ian Anderson? Well, you and I got to see Tucker Davidson early on in Double A um, at a, at a Mississippi Braves game, and he was pretty lights out and against a. The White Sox minor league team that included Luis Robert. So 
uh, we, we already knew about uh, how good he could be early on. And that year in a lineup that also had Ian Anderson in it, um, Tucker Davidson was the Southern League ERA leader. And that was fabulous. And yet he still didn't really get the break uh, or the uh, respect even from the, the Braves internally, it seemed until just uh, recently when uh, Yanoa decided to punch out a defenseless bench. Uh, I I don't know why he didn't get a uh, shot earlier, and but when he got the shot uh, about a month ago now, I guess, I was starting to wonder, okay, are the Braves really bringing him up or are they trying to showcase him maybe for, for trade bait or something? And he not only pitched well, but now he's obviously earned his spot in the rotation. Barring anything else, he's going to stick there, it looks like, for for a little while. And I'm I'm just thrilled to see it because uh, he's doing exactly what uh, we, we saw in Birmingham, and he's uh, doing it consistently. And I, I just I can't be more pleased to, to see it. Now, uh, that, that does allow some possibilities as uh, – you know, it comes back. That'll probably be still about, I'm guessing, six weeks away or so before he can be cleared to pitch and then uh, get himself rehabbed. But uh, once that happens, and the Braves might actually have a really uh, decent uh, and repeatable ro- rotation that uh, is consistently performing well. So I'm I'm glad to see it. Uh, the the question now is going to be whether. Uh, the pitchers will be able to hang on to the number of innings that they're accumulating and stay healthy. That's going to be a key as we get into July, August, and September. So maybe what's what might end up happening is they go to something like a six-man rotation or or something else to give these guys a break every now and then, swap out one guy per turn or something like that to, to see if we can give them a break. But uh, uh, in any case, I'm, I'm glad to see uh, this happening, and I'm glad to see what some of these – uh, kids are doing because uh, I've been hearing this sort of theme lately that uh, the gap between AAA and the major leagues is bigger than it's ever been before. And certainly we've seen that with a, with some guys uh, hitting the lights out at AAA, but then not being able to scratch anything at the major league level. That hasn't been the case with everybody. Um, you know, we, we've talked about Almonte, for instance, uh, being, being one of those that uh, has made the leap successfully, at least so far. Uh, Contreras is, is doing well, uh, that way. Uh, and, and I, I'm glad to see that. And, and certainly now Tucker Davidson's doing the same thing, but, uh, it's, it's a rare thing and we should pay attention to it because these guys don't grow on trees. And when we, uh, when we see good performance, we should applaud it and reward it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Fred, I know uh, you know Tucker David's going to have some regression here as the league kind of uh, reacts and catches up to him. But what what's your ceiling for Tucker Davidson? Well, I, I think you know, I think Tucker's a nice number three. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I he he his stuff looks to me. I mean, what he pitches? Okay, he's a pitchability pitcher. Okay, he puts the ball where he wants it. He's got that nice little little hook that comes in there and it floats in there and it looks as big as a big as a beach ball and you swing and it's on the ground and you didn't come anywhere near hitting it. Uh, and so as long as he has his control and he can still run it up there fast enough to make it let him know that he can beat him with a fastball, he's going to be fine. I think he's a three. Uh, but I, I want you to look. You know, if you think Max Fried, Ian Anderson, Tucker, Tucker Davidson, 
and you're pushing Charlie Martin and the Morton into the four spot, and Smiley's down one spot above where he belongs, which is the fifth spot. He needs to be in the sixth spot. Um, but when you push him down that far away, then your rotation looks really good. Look at the outings we've had against really good teams from Freed and Davidson and Anderson, okay? And, and Morton come to that. These guys went out and did what we asked them to do. They went out and they they shoved, okay? The the bullpen didn't have to throw a 1,000 innings. And then the bullpen didn't do what they needed to do. But the starting staff is coming around. And, and that's because the young guns are pitching well. And I'm not so sure you know will be able to recapture that magic. I kind of think that was a bubble. But maybe he will. I hope he does. And we have other pitchers. We've got Kyle Muller down there. I think we can space these innings out. The lineup. I, boy, I really like I like Tucker in that number three spot uh, in the rotation. He may be, he'd be a four if if we get well the other guys come up. But man, our left handers are going to be awesome. I, Freed and, and Mueller and, and these guys coming up, they're going to be re- the league's not going to want to see us at all, and that's a good thing. Uh, I'm I'm glad for Davidson because I expected him to do well last year, and he sort of stumbled a little bit. But, boy, this is a guy I've been reading about and looking video clips of, and, and God bless him, he's doing wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to kick it back to you, Fred, because you brought up Smiley here. And, you know, maybe the Braves don't have the the starters to push him out of the rotation right now. Uh, but you mentioned Smiley being a reliever. Is that where you think his best fit is with this Braves team? I know it's going to be hard to put an $11 million uh, dollar guy in the bullpen, but I thought when the Braves signed him, I thought, man, they're paying eleven million for a bullpen arm, uh, and then they surprised me by saying no, they signed him as a starter. Uh, you know, with the with the you know MLB cracking down on uh, the sticky stuff on the baseball, which we've kind of theorized, you know, possibly could hurt somebody like Smiley. Do you think he ultimately moves to the bullpen and maybe his stuff plays up a little bit there? Well. <sighs> It's hard to know about Smiley. The problem is that real good lineups will will not let him get to them. They, he won't make it through a second time against a really good lineup unless he's absolutely on everything. Okay, uh, and and it's not Smiley's fault for taking eleven million dollars. If you came up and offered me eleven million dollars to go out and throw the ball, I would too. I wouldn't last fifteen seconds. But I'd take your eleven million dollars. I don't blame Smiley at all in this. Smiley, they offered him a contract and he took it, but. I think he's a fifth starter at his best, and I, I believe that by the end of the year we'll have enough guys to to make him that fifth starter, and maybe, as Alan said, he'll be the guy to give people a blow as they go around because you can't keep running him out there. And the longer he's out there, the more the the batters in, in our division see him, uh, the the better he's going to be or the better they're going to be against him. Uh and it just, he just doesn't have the giddy up to make him lay off of that hook. Uh, and 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 I just think that that's I'm, – I'm not so worried about him cracking down on his spin rate. I mean, I think maybe they will. I think maybe it will drop off some because eh. – but but in any case, I think that he's like a fifth starter. And if you, if we do get that guy, uh, everybody's pitching well, then he could be the long man out of the pen or the sixth starter or the spot starter because – uh, I don't, $11 million, you've got to push him out of the rotation. He's not going to get moved for any other reason other than there's just somebody better to take his place. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I said, I mean, and that's the whole thing you get hung up on too, right, Alan? They spent so much money on him. They're going to give him as many opportunities as possible to stick in that rotation. But, I mean, you look at his last, you know, handful of starts here, you know, seven runs in five and a third, three runs in four and a third, uh, two earned in four and a third. I mean, he's, uh, to me, he's just not getting it done. Again, I hate to harp on it. I didn't like the signing in the first place. I think we're all in agreement on that. Like Fred said, I mean, I don't blame the guy at all for taking it. That's not his fault. The Braves were dumb enough to, to offer him that contract. But because the contract's so big, it's like the Braves are, are going to continue to ride him out there, like you said, until something else comes along that forces him out of the rotation. Well, you just said a mouthful right there with the uh, the idea that he could be forced out, and I think it's reasonably possible. When they signed him, I don't think that the Braves really anticipated that they'd have two guys step up like Inoa and uh, and uh, Tucker Davidson. Uh, I also, also figured that they were looking for some insurance in case Mike Soroka wasn't going to be able to come back. Obviously, he hasn't been able to so far. So it, it was a a spending that was almost made necessary just because of the, the the fact that there's just not enough surety in the rotation available. Now, we can argue all day about whether he was the right guy to hand that $11 million to, but in the end, they did what they did. Uh, we, we, we know that, and there's not much we can do about that right now. However, uh, we are getting to the point where he might be able to be forced out of the rotation if uh, – Tucker Davidson continues what he's been doing, and if you know it comes back strong as well. So I, I think that you know the money's going to be spent either way, but uh, I, I don't think that they really had in mind that he was going to be a lights-out guy with a three or less ERA to begin with. They figured that maybe he had some upside and that was going to be possible, but um, they had to really think that he was probably going to be a four or four-and-a-half guy and uh, – not sure he's making that right now, but <laughs> uh, the uh, no. the fact is that uh, uh, they they got him for upside, and we're just hoping that he'd be at least capable of uh, delivering some innings and and getting uh, uh, the team through. Uh, uh, a game while still being in touch with the other, uh, the opponent of the day. So he's sort of been doing that to to extent, but at the same time, yeah, he's, he's had some issues there. So my, my question is whether because of what we see internally, whether we really need anything at the trade deadline for starting pitching anymore. Uh, Tucker Davidson has certainly made that an open question in my mind. And uh, if you know it comes back and he'll be back before the trade deadline, I, I believe, uh, we'll be able to uh, make an assessment and, and go from there and maybe put all the eggs in the hitting basket. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, and I mean, Bryce Wilson has been really good in his last two starts. I mean, I know he's up and down. Uh, it's not like he's gone back down to AAA and killed it, but I also hate how the Braves keep jerking him up and down and everything. Uh, I don't think that does him any favors, but you have him in your back pocket too. Uh, you mentioned Cal, Cal uh, Mueller earlier. Um, you know, uh, Cal Wright hasn't been great, but I mean, he is some depth there. So, I mean, they have options in the rotation. I think with all the other needs that they have currently that are much bigger. Um, yeah, I don't think they go out and prioritize starting pitching uh, at the trade deadline, but Fred, you feel any differently? No, I think, uh, well, 
I sort of wish they would get another other starter because I'm, I'm I kind of worry about the innings thing that Allen uh, brought up when you get to the postseason. Uh, but Smiley's for the price of Drew Smiley, you could have had Scalafini and Tyon Walker. Okay, they make together make eleven million dollars this year. And Dee Scalafini's been really good for the Giants, and, and Walker's been really good for the Mets. And, and, and Smiley. Now, I don't know why they did this. I, I read the comments at, uh, at, about it at the time, and I went, gee, um, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. <laughs> We've talked about this off and on, but, uh, uh, it's, uh, he, it was going to be a lightning in the bottle kind of thing, he thought. And he was ready to explode out and be what he truly is. And I think he's done that. This is what he truly is. But I, I don't think that they'll go out and, and try to get Sonny Gray or even John Gray <laughs> at this point. Uh, I do think they'll look for relief pitchers and I do th- and the bat. And they'll hope these pitchers can make it through uh, because they committed so much to Smiley. Unless they can trade him as part of the package, um, they're going to want to run him out there until he's arm falls. Uh, let's flip over to the offense because it seems to be coming around a little bit. I mean, Acuna, Freeman, Riley, and Albies, they all have an OPS of 798 or higher. Dansby's been getting on base a ton lately. Williams Contreras has an OPS of 836. Uh, and they've even, you know, gotten decent production at times from uh, Heredia and Almonte. You know, they filled in. You know, we've talked about, talked about it already. You know, those aren't guys you want in there carrying your team for a while, but they've at least stepped up when people have gone down and, giving the offense some boost. Uh, Allen, they're averaging 4.7 runs per game in May. I know they struggled a bit to score in these last two games against the Phillies, but one of those was against one of the better pitchers in all of baseball right now and Zach Wheeler. But is this offense starting to settle in a little bit? They're act- Well, they did better than I expected against Bauer and Kershaw for sure. Uh, but then again, they, they seem to be locked in against guys mm-hmm. like that who they know they're, they're in for a fight for. Uh, Wheeler had... Uh, had his day, uh, double digit strikeouts again, and that's to be expected. But, uh, by and large, it, it seems to be trending up a little bit. Um, certainly, uh, we've seen that with, uh, Riley, um, Dansby still, uh, a bit of a work in progress. Ozzy, uh, not too bad. Uh, and Acuna is just being himself and, and, Certainly, uh, some games he's uh, just busting out, and other games like today's not so much. Uh, but I mean, you're going to expect that against real good pitching, and they're going to be facing some real good pitching continually uh, between now and the end of June for sure. So I'm, I'm still not looking for much of a breakout here offensively. But if they can again just maintain and try and keep around. Uh, a 500 record for the rest of this tough part of the schedule, then they can stay in touch with the Mets and, and hopefully uh, be able to make a move thereafter because July and August schedule a little easier, and that's going to be when they absolutely have to make a move now. Uh, but at the same time, I'm, I'm 
with Fred. And if there's any way to make a trade deal between now and the end of June, by golly, we need to do it so we can get some some things uh, jump started uh, as far as that goes. Fred, what kind of a uh, package can the Braves get for Freddie Freeman if they trade him at the deadline? <laughs> well, there you go, Batman. I talk I, about burying the lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Just kidding. Just kidding. I I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I, I I suspect it's on the off season you can get a hell of a package for him. But it, but if it keeps going, it may not be here. Then uh, I, the offense for me, the reason Freddie's having trouble, he's hitting every breaking pitch pretty well. Uh, 260, 270 average on breaking, but he's hitting 202, or he was yesterday, on, on fastballs. And he gets a fastball 58% of the time. He can throw up all the, he hits the ball hard stuff. Yes, he does. And the balls he's hitting hard are mostly breaking pitches, off-speed pitches, or hangers. And uh, he knows this. If you watched, you'll see him swing at a, a fastball Middle, middle, knee high, and it, and and he just he just swings on the top of it. And it looks like the old Garden Gate. Freddie Freeman will hit. Okay, he'll figure this out. He hits really a lot better when Chelsea's at the game. So I think Chelsea ought to get a seat there every night. <laughs> the Braves should play, pay for childcare, make sure they've got a seat there every night where where Daddy can see the kids and Chelsea because when she's there, he hits a lot better. For me, right now, I'd flip Ozzy and Freddie in the lineup and leave Austin in the four spot. I think that would make Freddie a better hitter. I think it would make the lineup better. Uh, and boy, Riley's sure come on. He's not, the, he, he changed everything, uh, since he started listening to Chipper. And he's come on. I'm, I'm good on him. But I want to go back to my man, Ozzy Albies. I said he was the heartbeat of this club. Over his last 26 games, not going into today's game, Ozzy's hitting 298, 360, 558, 917. He has four homers, 23 RBIs, nine doubles, three triples. That's Ozzy. That's what we expected from Ozzy. Uh, he's, and that's, I'm, um, he's finally come around and been the guy that I expected him to be for the start of the year. Uh, Ozzy's doing, killing it. Uh, Riley's killing it. The ready experiment. I'm, I'm glad he lasted as long as he did. Contreras got a 32% strikeout rate. When he came up pinch hitting today, I told, told my wife, he's going to strike out. And it, it, it wasn't very long as he was sitting down again. Uh, why they didn't use Panda then? But in any case, he's going to strike out. He's an all or nothing kind of guy right now. He's going to hit you a double or a home run. He's going to strike out. And Ronald isn't hitting with runners on base, not, not driving runners in on base like he ought to. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve of his last seventeen home runs have been solo home runs. If you're gonna, if he's gonna hit solo home runs, you need to put him, put him into the two slot and put put somebody put Ozzy in front of him so they're they're at least a home run with a man on. He's come up with men on base several times in the last week, and he's left them on base almost every time. I don't know what the story is. Uh, I don't know whether there's something wrong. I don't know what's going on because he hit solo home runs. He had a solo home run the other day um, off of Voth, but uh, for the Nats. But um, I just when he comes up, I don't have the confidence I ought to have in him. I've got more, I've got more confidence in Ozzy, who's liable to swing at a ball that bounces in front of the plate. But I have more confidence in Ozzy putting the bat on the ball or Riley putting the bat on the ball right now than I do in, in on in um, in uh, in 
Ronnie right now. But he's going to come around. I'm, I, I, but I would flip the lineup around and move Freddie back down one spot, get him back in three, Riley behind him, Ozzie in front of him, and see if that didn't work and, and put that new, put, jo, put Joey Gallo in the five spot and we'll be fine. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, make that happen. Um, but I mean, back to your point earlier, you know, we're a third of the way through the season, like we said, and this, this is a 500 team. I mean, the record is, you know, what you are, like you said. Uh, and I think it's, I think you make a good point that Alex Ventabalos can't wait for another month or so to make a change. Um, you know, I don't know what teams out there are willing to deal right now, but he has to be, you know, trying to find those teams doing whatever he can. This team is too, too good, too talented to be struggling like this. And, you know, I saw it with uh Brewers team that I also uh, covered. They, they made a trade for Willie Adamas. Now, not the biggest name, but they went on a 12-3 winning streak after trading for him. Um, sometimes a team just needs a jolt like that. They need uh, a boost of energy. Uh, you know, they need somebody to come in and provide a spark for them. And I think the Braves could certainly benefit from that right now, Alan. I, I don't know who it, who it might be, but I think I think Alex, you know, needs to make something happen sooner rather than later. That, that's the point. There's precious few teams right now that are able to say that they're really not in it and might be open for business. Arizona is one of them, but so far the only ones they're talking about are the guys that you probably wouldn't want to be part of your team. The Pirates have to be in that conversation. The Rockies should be, but aren't. The the Baltimore Orioles probably should be, but uh, the uh, likelihood of getting Trey Bancini pride away is, is going to be uh, sketchy at best. Uh, the Rangers should be talking to people. And I'm kind of hopeful that you know, the, the Braves have been talking to some of those teams in the past, the Rangers and the Orioles in particular, as they've done some deals in the past. So maybe there's a relationship there that would allow them to, to do something earlier than, than, than expected. You, know, you just have to be knowing that you're getting the right guys. And it's, you get one shot at these things and you, you got to do it the right way. But uh, at the same time, you also need to make sure that, uh, if you've got a chance that you you act in a timely manner, and that's what we've been talking about, is that uh, uh, the Braves need some help now. They can't really afford to wait till August. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Fred. Anything you want to add before we get out of here? Well, the the thing about acting now is that it's clearly going to be an overpay, and you you because you're moving ahead of the crowd and you're doing out there for doing it. But there is a reason to do it. The other day, uh, I think Gallo's on the 10-day right now because he pulled a groin muscle, okay? So not that that would stop somebody from trading him, but the longer you hang on to these guys, the longer you hang on to Gallo and Castellanos, Castellanos and, and the guys who are going to be difference makers in a lineup, uh, that there's, there's a risk of them being injured. If you're the Rangers and somebody comes down with an offer that treats him like the hitter he was in 2019, and treats gives them a reasonable officer for that guy because that's who he is, then I think they would make a deal. But right now it's Gallo and uh, uh, Garcia and Kier Falafa. That's what the that's who the team has to look at if the fans come to see. And so you've got to give them something back that's going to make the fans go, oh wow! You, you can't send them Josh Tomlin and a 
and an 87 Buick, as somebody suggested to me today. So I don't know that he, okay, we say he must not do it now. He can wait. I think the, the penalty for waiting is that by the time you decide to make the deal, it's too damn late. And, and that's the problem with this. You, he who hesitates gets run over in this league. And that's what's going to happen. We're not the we're not the two nineteen two thousand nineteen nationals with uh, three up three arms at the top of them blowing ninety ninety hundred miles an hour and uh, Rendon and Trey Turner and all those guys out there hitting all at one time uh, in a, in sync with one another. We're not going to go on that kind of run unless we get more in the lineup. I just you know my mind says he ought to, my heart says he's not going to move and. Because it would it goes against his grain to overpay for in players for film. He'll give somebody too much money, but overplaying in payer in players just grinds him wrong. I think the last time he did it in Toronto it hurt him bad, and uh, I don't think he wants to do that again. Let uh, me throw something else out real quick about uh, Joey Gallo in particular. Uh, I, something was reminding me in my head that uh, he might not be the right guy to go for, and here's why: it's it's his splits. He's actually hitting two. He's a left-handed hitter hitting 262 against lefties and 171 against right-handers, which, of course, in our division is what he's going to see the most of as righties. Yeah, I think some of that is is the lineup he's in. If I I don't have it in front of me right now, but uh, they started off with Gallo hitting like second, which is awful because of his strikeouts. And then they moved him to third, and that was better. But when they moved, and they moved into the four slot with Adolis Casilla in front of him and low behind him. Uh, he went for like 14 games right there, hitting like 240, uh, 380, 585, like that. I mean, he was the guy. Mm-hmm. He that's the kind against uh, both sides of the plate, and he's a career. His career splits are about even. Um. Up through 2019, I 2020. I don't pay attention to that, but <laughs> but up to up to 2019, his career splits right left. He actually does have a reverse split. It's not as severe as the one you pointed out, and he was hurt earlier on in the year, so that may be part of that. But but I think that the only reason I say Gallo is because I think he's going to be less expensive than Nick Castellanos. He uh, should be, yeah. And and Castellanos is has the 16 million dollar contracts and the opt out. And you're going to pay a lot for him. So if you pay a lot for him, you have to be sure he's going to stay. And the only way to do that is to win a win a division or win a championship, get to the postseason for real. And uh, I don't know that we can guarantee him that. And if he decides to opt out, then you've given away something and you've got a hole in your lineup. So you want somebody with control. Gallo has at least a year of control. Uh, if you can pry Hanniger out, you can get a couple of years of control from him. But right now, uh, and he, he, Gallo is a left-handed bat. If you slot him in, between or in with Austin Riley and those guys, maybe in front of Riley, uh, he like he was in in Arlington when he was hitting 240 and and had, or slugging nearly 600. Um, I think I think he's fine. Uh, he's he's not a he's not a, a hitter. He's not going to hit you 300 anyway. If he hits 245 and slugs 600, everybody will love him. And that and that's where I think he is. I think he can do it. And with him and Riley, they could destroy light towers all over Georgia. Mm-hmm. Make, all right, make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, call, I'll call John Daniels tonight. All right, yeah. thanks. So we'll check you in the other morning. That, that's a lot of <laughs> lot of pop answer, at the top of the line. Answer, but I can call him. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine having Acuna, Freddie, 
uh, Gallo and uh, Riley back to back to back in that lineup. That's a, that's a lot of power right there. Um, that would be pretty pretty entertaining to watch with with little Ozzy in there uh, doing his his part as well. So, um, but that will do it for this episode of the Tomahawk Take podcast. Make sure that you check us out on tomahawktake.com to see all the daily content we are posting there. Uh, but again, appreciate all of your support. Appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been the Looking for Silver Linings edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast. It's a production of TomahawkTech.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are strictly those of the hosts because Minute Media hasn't really noticed what we're doing here yet. One of the musical interludes used today comes to you under the auspices of the standard license agreement from FilmMusic.io. This is song 7919 by Kevin McLeod entitled Funky Box Step. It was shortened to fit in the available space. McLeod's works are featured at filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by TomahawkTake.com. Thanks for tuning in today, and if you happen to notice a big bat for sale on Craigslist this week, please drop Alex Anthopoulos a line. His office is located at The Battery, Atlanta, Georgia. We'll see you out for next inning. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.